15,000 followers on Twitter, 20,000 followers on Instagram. And your Facebook personal account right now, you have 5,000 friends. You are blowing up and it's looking great. Now, your sales for your business are ouch. Every friend, follower, connection on social media platforms is not a customer. And that's what we're going to talk about today on The Ambition Show. Your friends are not your customers. How to build a successful business because being successful on social media does not necessarily mean having a successful business. Let's get it. All right, so let's get right into it because this is a huge topic that affects a lot of entrepreneurs, especially nowadays because of the emphasis we've placed on social currency over the past five to even 10 years, right? We've placed more on more on social um, value than anything else due to the growth of social media. But social media is just a product, right? Of the way we are as people and as individuals, right? It's kind of like the chicken or the egg, what came first? It, they are simultaneous in this case, right? We've already we've always placed a heavy emphasis on being popular, right? So the more friends we have, the more connections we have, we assume the more successful we're going to be, or we feel we look or we look more successful, right? And it, it, there is something to that, right? Because if people want to be around us, people want to be connected with us, then we can give there we can give a certain level, right? A certain level of value depends on what kind of value we're bringing to it right and how authentic that is but from a business standpoint if you are a marketer right if you're an entrepreneur if you're a small business owner either one of these either one of these areas you have to understand that a like that a follower doesn't necessarily mean that that person is a customer doesn't necessarily mean that they're putting actual dollars in your pocket and the most important thing to understand about this is that just because you have a lot of friends just because you have a lot of family members doesn't necessarily mean that all those friends and family members are going to convert to be customers and they shouldn't you they should they really shouldn't that is a mindset we have to get completely away from when we're developing our business and when we're trying to create something from scratch because unfortunately this can destroy a lot of relationships and that's why in this episode what we're going to go into is how to develop a profitable network how to identify the target audience that works best for your business that way yes you have 20,000 followers on, on social media right and yeah a decent amount of them might be your family members a decent amount of them might be your friends right but the majority of people that you're attracting to your social media platforms are people who will most likely take the opportunity to connect with you on a financial or an investment level, meaning that they will buy your product, they will buy your service, they will come out to your shows, right? They will share your content, they will engage with your content, and therefore you will become a more profitable outlet to potential sponsors, advertisers, brand deals, endorsements. Because at the end of the day, your friends are not your customers. Your customers are your customers that you can build great relationships with, right? So now you can stop pestering your, you know, your, your friends, your family members, and start identifying that ideal customer and build a relationship with them. The proof, or I should say the pool, 
right? The pool of consumers that you bring value to and that are more likely to purchase from you is called your target audience for a reason. Because this is the audience you're, you're trying to engage with and trying to connect with, right? So bolstering up just a bunch of followers and a bunch of connections and a bunch of likes on platforms doesn't necessarily mean that that's gonna translate to that ideal consumer. Okay, that could be just a person that just simply likes the content that you're posting, but they won't necessarily convert. We see that a lot. This is why the most important and most important factor or metric on social media platforms isn't a like and has never been a like. Because a like is the most passive thing a person can do. They can see something like it and move on and never, and never think about it again. What we want them is to engage with it, right? So what we want them to do is we want them to share. We want them to not only comment, but we want them to share with their community, with their network, because we want to see how many like-minded people we're getting. That way we have a better understanding of what the type of consumer we have, right? The type of consumer we can get. If your friends are doing this, if your family members are doing this, are they doing it off the strength of it's your content? So they're just doing it to support you? Or are they doing it off the strength of, hey, this is something I actually like. This is one of the things, and this is why it's so dangerous to count on relationships outside of people who actually want to use your product and service as a gauge for your customers. Because the moment you start thinking all of your friends are customers, you're really putting yourself into a box of, well, now who, how do I know? How do I know what my target audience really looks like? And how do I tag that with dollars? In other words, do I know what platforms to advertise on? Do I know, you know what my product should look like? Do I know what my service should look like? Do I know what the name should be? Do I know what the subject line should be? Do I know what the caption should have, right? Because if they're buying it off the strength of, oh, I know, you know, I, I know you because we're friends and family members, we could potentially be getting false data, right? Or our, just our, our data is gonna send us to, to send us down the wrong path because we're gonna create the, the ideal customer looking like our friends or our family members when really those aren't our ideal customers or, you know, our friends and family members. So getting into it, we're gonna focus on the the showing and connecting aspects of, of, of online selling and how to build that network and how to build those connections as opposed to just straight up selling and telling, you know, but really building a connection with, with, with our target audience and then how to develop and really build out those relationships. Okay, so how do we go from just selling and telling people what we think they need, right? Which is one of the main reasons why we, we, we can create a lot of content that goes nowhere. How can we get away from that and do more so where we're connecting the right content to the right people and now we're developing relationships and building out that that larger pool of target that larger target audience pool 
Identify your target audience from the very beginning with even the smallest amounts of information, pieces of information, amounts of data is the best way to start. So your audience is out there, right? The audience is everywhere. How do you find them? Where do you find them? How do you find what offerings they actually find value? And that offering that they find valuable goes to the value proposition, right? And the value proposition can constantly be pushed into your content. Because what the value is, are they getting some type of entertainment from it? Are they getting a nice little escape from reality, right? Are they getting inside information that they feel they could not get anywhere else? So they feel privileged to listen to you. They feel privileged to watch you. Are they getting valuable information that they know will help them, whether it be in their business, in their personal life, maybe in a relationship, being as a parent, as a professional, a specific skill? What is that value that they're getting from connecting with you? And does your content translate that value? This is where many content creators and entrepreneurs typically fail. And then they turn to things like, well, I'm getting likes, right? But when I say value, usually a person who finds a lot of value in something, they're not just liking it. They're telling other people about it. They're telling their friends about it. They're like, look at this piece of information that I captured and I gotta share it with people. It goes back to that old thing, that old thought, that old mind, you know, uh, mindset that a lot of people have. And it, it it's, it's valid. It's 100% valid with, with the idea of, well, if it's valuable or if it's really good, no lie, people will even attempt to steal it and call it their own because it's at that level of, and we see this all the time on Instagram, Facebook, on Twitter, or on Pinterest, on all of these platforms, these social media platforms, where people are like, man, I want to recreate that type of content. I want to create that piece of content, not something similar to it. I want to recreate that piece of content. I can't tell you how many times that we've seen it all. We've all seen it on YouTube alone. Well, YouTube is one of the best examples, if not Instagram. Sets of vloggers and YouTubers who want to do it the exact same way someone else did it. That's because they found value in it. That's because they saw something special about it. Like, I like the way that looks. I like the way that stands out. I like the quality of it. That's why you have so many content creators who go head over heels focusing on the look of their content as opposed to the quality of the message and the content. I can't tell you enough how many times I see people with the best cameras, lighting, everything under the sun. And then when you have to listen to what they have to say, you're like, what? You didn't say anything new, you didn't say anything unique, you didn't say, because a lot of people are focusing on the look of the content. They're focusing on that's where the value is. No, they stopped. They didn't go to the next stage and say, okay, now what do I do unique to put in my own value proposition for those who would consume my content? So they found value in it. And then that's, that's what we see that people are focusing on the superficial level far too much. They forgot about the value proposition. The value proposition is everything involved. Your audience, where are they? What offerings do they find valuable? What does value mean to them? What are they looking for? You need to establish a value proposition. The first stage could be, simply be just as I stated, identifying 
who is in your niche, who is in your area, and are they talking to the people you would be speaking to? Do it exactly like them? No. But what do people find valuable? I'll give you a good example. Give you a really, 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 really good example, okay? When it comes to the area of speaking to entrepreneurs, when it comes to the area of speaking to specifically content creators and creative entrepreneurs, right? Now, there are quite a few podcasts, vlogs, blogs that speak to the same audience. The one thing I missed, or sorry, the one thing I noticed what was missing, I have no problem sharing this because, hey, frankly, if you find the same thing, you go out there and produce it yourself. So I'm not sharing anything that's completely unique. You know what I noticed? There was a lot of what I'm doing now, which is talking. There's a lot of, but there was a lot of theory. There was an application. One thing I noticed, it was a lot of, here's some great ideas, here's some great advice. And literally it would do that, it would fall flat. Here's some great ideas, here's some great advice. Every episode of the Ambition Show podcast, what did I tell you I owe you? And if I don't give it to you, hold my feet to the fire, contact me, you got the email address, put it in the comments, message us on the, on the, on the YouTube channel, or drop a comment on the YouTube channel. Every episode is supposed to have two things, two things, right? Takeaways, template, a tool, a resource, something you can use and apply what you got from that episode immediately. Immediately. Now, if you don't do that immediately, that's on you. But what I noticed was something very simple. I'm hearing all these great pieces of advice. I'm hearing all these great theories. I'm hearing all these great ideas. But the next step, implementation is important. Ideas are great, but implementation is key. I met a person who had a great idea for a social media platform, right? Did nothing with that social media platform. Or should say did nothing with that idea for a social media platform. Two years later, we see an idea very similar. Now, the crazy part is the idea very similar was already in the works. Somebody was already working on it, beta testing on a very small scale. But when they went public with it, I reached out to, an, to the associate. I'm like, hey, you know, this looks a lot like the idea you had. It, you know, they did, they did a lot more with it because they had beta tested. They had, you know, they gone through different iterations. They had implemented at a smaller level and kept growing. They're like, yeah. And, and I'm so happy what my associate said, which was the, the best way to look at it. Yeah, but they were willing to take that step. So that was meant for them. I wasn't willing to do that. So he wasn't salty about it, which was cool. And that's the way it should be. But that's my point. Ideas, everybody, everybody has ideas. A lot of us had the same idea around the same time. It's implementation is key. And that's what I noticed was missing. I was missing so much on the implementation side. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a platform where not only is it going to focus on implementation, Right, we're going to get the advice and everything, but we're really going to push the implementation piece. We're going to give people tools to implement. We're going to give people opportunities to implement because this is the show. This is the show about if you, it's not, don't want to offend anybody, but let's be real. Let's put up a shut up, right? A lot of people talk about being successful and successful means anything you want it to mean to you, but a lot of people talk about it. And I noticed the biggest factor that I heard was, I don't know where to go next. I don't know where to go next. Well, I'm giving you the opportunity to go next. That's why I say, if you got a topic, if you got something you want us to touch on, we will do that. We will definitely do that. Drop a comment. 
send us an email we will do that if there is a topic for us to touch on to help creative entrepreneurs and small business owners let's get into it but that's a value proposition what value am i bringing to the table now that's based on my experience but that's also from what i was hearing from others within my network which is the key factor of a value proposition are you listening to what people need are you listening to what the people are asking for are you listening to what's going on in the world not just in a silo are you actually listening to what's out there and then take it the next take it to the next step don't wait or worse yet don't just settle ask more questions so if you've identified potential outlets, like I said, I saw other podcasts. I knew podcasts where I was thinking about doing, you know, on a, on a creative level from different areas. And I have other podcasts in the works. But I was like, you know what? I think this would be a great place to start. Because what we do as an agency, what I do as a freelancer, is specifically this, helping entrepreneurs. Building products, building devices, building resources, building templates, right? Building brands. Why not just do this on a pot level? Ask more questions, though. So all I would do is ask questions like, hey, what can, what would you like to see from a podcast? What would you like to see from a podcast? What would you like to see from a podcast that targets urban entrepreneurs, that targets creative entrepreneurs, that targets small business owners? What would you guys like to see? The first thing I did was I joined networks specifically for podcasts and specifically for those groups, right? I would always suggest because as an entrepreneur, free is the best price for us, right? <laughs> Real talk, that freeway is the best way, right? If we can, if we can get it all, right? If we can, if we can make it happen. Facebook, LinkedIn, two phenomenal resources then you have uh quora then you have reddit great resources join the groups join the threads join the spaces and the number one question you should be asking is what podcasts are you guys listening to what vlogs are you guys watching what blogs are you guys reading what magazines are you guys reading what streaming services do you guys use what tv shows do you guys watch why did i say streaming services streaming services have a lot of documentaries right so what did I say about entertainment? A lot of people want to be entertained. If they're going to your YouTube channel and you're a content creator for YouTube, well, you want to know well, what, what entertains you? What type of content entertains you? See, all of this information, this is, what, this is what the Nikes of the world do. This is what the biggest banks in the world do, in the world does, right? This is what the largest institutions in the world do they just consume information and figure out ways to utilize it you're no different you did this when you were two three years old you were consuming information and figuring out how to react how to how to function how to operate how to maneuver in the world here's the problem a lot of us stop that for whatever reason and thought, okay i'm an adult i'm good now no, if you're starting a business, no, it's a new entity. How's the, how's this entity going to relate? Because now you're trying to find who are those people I need to connect with. So I'm joining these groups to ask questions. I'm joining these groups to inv get involved in conversations. 
And yeah, it'd be great to have a staff of people. That's why, once again, like I said, largest institutions on earth have these. They have hundreds, maybe thousands of employees working just on certain these these specific areas. But you don't have that. You're the entrepreneur. You're the you know you're the self-starter. You're the self-made. So if that is the case, get out there, engage, connect, and who knows? You might find this is the best part about doing it this way. You may find the two, three, four, five, twenty best team members you could have ever imagined right then and there. Hey, maybe you want to focus on the market research. You want to focus on developing the content. You want to focus on, you know, helping us with the branding. You want to focus on the finances and boom, you've got your team right there. Now you are a real CEO or at least a leader of a team in this case, right? You learn how to communicate and what communication does and doesn't work with that audience. And the best part is because you're joining groups, because you're joining communities, you're joining threads, you're joining spaces, you build relationships. Like I said, it's not about you going in there looking like the expert. Ask questions, be a novice. Whenever I joined any social media group, I never walked in as the expert. My main focus was to ask questions. It was to share experiences, not answering questions. Later, I transitioned that to answering questions. When I get a vibe and I get a feel for the room, like I said, follow Reddit threads, join Quora communities, and this is the best part about it. Now you know what's working and what's not working. If you are putting in the same amount of effort every week into each one of these platforms, I start off with Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, Quora. There's many others, right? But these are just three of the big, I'm sorry, four of the biggest for, ver for various areas, for various groups. But also the assumption here is that you're a business owner, right? You're looking for where your customers are, where your consumers are, where your potential partners are. You can't get a better pulse on it's, these are the biggest platforms for this type of thing. Because from here, it'll feed off into, well, oh, no one's talking about Pinterest. No one's talking about Twitter in that specific group or that specific space. Well, what social media platforms is, well, a lot of people in our industry, they follow. Maybe they, they're focusing on YouTube content that gets shared out, maybe on Twitter or something else, but it's still YouTube content. Majority of the people that we talk, they don't really worry about different streaming services and how they get their entertainment. They're getting their entertainment through another device. Maybe they're getting their entertainment directly from one conglomerate, <laughs> okay? It's not, it's not Amazon, it's not Hulu. They're only going through Apple. Or it's not Apple, they're only going through Amazon. They get, they get everything through Amazon. Right, from their Kindle, from their Audible, from Twitch, from Prime TV, everything. It's all Amazon. It, it works that way, and not just some, some sectors or regions, some entire industries. They're like, no, no, we're tied to this brand. We're tied to these businesses. That's where we get everything from. You'll find that out in those groups. Use your social media to find the conversations that your audience is having. Old school, tracking it with a hashtag. Old school, tracking it with keywords. But even the most basic hashtag and keyword research goes a long way because nothing's gonna change with that in the next few years. 
people still are using content where text is being tracked, measured, and watched at all times. Knowing what your audience is talking about is the key. The sooner you have a better uh, handle on that and pulse on that, the better off you'll be. And you'll understand what the conversations are, are talking about, but more importantly, you'll understand what matters to them. You'll understand the values that they're looking for. You'll understand look, what they're willing to invest. Oh, maybe they're not willing to pay $4.99 for a Patreon or $20.99 for a Patreon, but they are willing to pay a premium for the, for the individual pieces of content, right? Or, or the product or service. There's some areas where people are doing, uh, you know, they're doing these courses, they're doing these full, these full packets still, which is very old school in a comparison, but they won't touch a, a Patreon because they're like, hey, if I ask people to give me this on a monthly basis, they're gonna probably ask me for the same level of content, but I have to water it down because now I have to produce it on, on a regular basis. Maybe they wanna just do a course. So, hey, people are turning to our, our course on Skillshare, Udemy, you know, or people don't wanna pay for our courses at all. We put all our courses on YouTube and we get a ton of we get a ton of revenue from YouTube. And we upsell individual products and services through advertisings or affiliate links or things like that. But you would know that. You're, this is a lot of guesswork if you're not listening and if you're not paying attention to conversations and finding out what's going on. The best tool for you to do these social listening to, or I should say, to track these social conversations, okay, right off the bat is of course the social platform directly themselves. But if you're looking for, to aggregate and have multiple conversations at once tracked, I always suggest favorite platform or traditionally favorite platform of mine was Hootsuite. Okay, Hootsuite is a really good platform for tracking these types of things. And there's a few others. In the description of this episode, there's a link to Hootsuite if you've never used it before. It's a great social listening tool. It really blew up because of the the um the uh, the the initial integration with Twitter, you know, the whole hoot owl and all that kind of stuff. But the cool part about it was, is that it was really the first to look at, I, and I do when I say the first to look at so many different platforms, it was scary. A lot of, of these tracking tools originally were just focused on Twitter or Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. Hootsuite was the first to look at almost every platform. I mean, it was one of the very first to look at even uh, Pinterest before, you know, platforms like Tailwind came around. But Hootsuite. We also, um, there's, there's, a, there's two other links in the description for other platforms to check out, to test out on your own. A um, couple offers there, free trials for the, to test out these platforms. But the cool part about this is, is you will get an understanding of what's being shared, where it's being shared, and who and what people are talking about. What's being shared, where it's being shared, who and what is being talked about. Okay? From a larger level. You can do this in a short amount of time and understanding. If you deep dive in and say, oh, I'm just gonna deep dive in on Facebook. Yeah, you're gonna get a big pool of people, right? Twitter, Instagram, you're gonna get a big pool of people. But keep in mind, keep in mind, the platform will also for focus on what type of content you're gonna share and what kind of content you need to produce, okay? So take the time to do that social listening and identify your target audience and really understand what it's going to take to build that valuable relationship 
Now, before we go into the next two areas of how to build out this, uh, how to build out, you know, that ideal target audience, I want to call back to something I brought up in the very beginning. Your friends and family are not your immediate customers. You will start to notice that in many cases, not all, but in many cases, you are not going to identify your customers, uh, sorry, your friends. You're not going to identify your friends or your family members. You're going to start saying, oh, that looks nothing like my friends. That looks nothing like my family members in many cases. And the reason why this is not a bad thing at all. The reason why is because you could have the most supportive family members and the most supportive friends. Right. I've had people and friends and family members who said and I was so happy with them being honest about it. I wish I could use your product or your service i don't need what you do but here's why i say i loved it the most but i know three or four people who do and when you pay attention to those three or four people they bring you those five or six people they bring you that one person they bring you you start saying look this person fits right into what i was identifying as my target audience don't get discouraged if you say oh my god the people i'm, I'm noticing are my best customers is it my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my uncle, my cousin, my wife, my girl, you know, my, 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 uh, my girlfriend, whatever it may be. No. And that's okay. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. That's 100% okay. But I'm not bringing up friends and family members anymore because we're not talking about your friends and family members. Your friends and your family members are not necessarily your customers. And that is perfectly fine. But the cool part about it is the more you identify who that target audience truly is, it makes it easier for them to say, I know somebody you need to talk to. I know somebody you need to work with. Hey, we all got that mother or that grandmother. Well, most of us do in this case. I know quite a few friends who started business. They always talk about this. But their mother said, you know what? I know exactly who you need to talk to. You need to talk to my son. You need to talk to my daughter. <laughs> you need to talk to my nephew. You need to talk to my my godson. Because you made it very clear for them what you do. And, and you should definitely share with them what, they, what you do. Because that could be your pipeline to a lot of potential customers. A lot of potential great connections and referrals. So you make it very clear what you do. One of the saddest things I see from all entrepreneurs is, why don't you, why don't more people know what you do? I can't tell you. In fact, we're gonna make the, we're gonna make this a poll. We're gonna make this a challenge on a social media uh, platform. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this on our Instagram for sure. And I would love for all of you guys. I know it's gonna be tough. Answer this honestly. How many of your family members and friends know exactly what it is that you do in your entrepreneurial venture? Not your day job. Now, if you have a day job, if you have a nine to five, but from your entrepreneurial venture, from your creative venture, from your small business that you own, um, if you work 100% for yourself, you're self-employed, great. What you do? Don't get me wrong. I bet a lot of a lot of us are in a better position than 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 a few others. But I would love to see the numbers on this. How many of your family members and friends 
know exactly what you do. I'm going to put a poll on Instagram for this. Because frankly, this is quite possibly the biggest miss you are making with your friends and family. They're not the customers. But if they know exactly what it is that you do, you could be missing out on I'm not exaggerating, depending upon what it is that you do. You could be missing out on hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars of business for decades because sometimes that referral isn't overnight. That referral happens and, if, and it bears fruit within a year. But it could be a big contract. Okay, I'm not trying to lecture you. I'll tell you a story and then we'll go to a break. Real quick. When I first started as a freelancer, young lady I was dating, very clearly, she knew exactly what I did. Very clearly, right? And being a great person, whenever the opportunity would come up, oh, well, you, she knew somebody, hey, you can use Aaron's services. You can use, you know, Aaron can, can help you out. Aaron's got, you know, does web design, branding, logo design. And when she changed jobs, her new boss had a really good associate, really good friend. And sure enough, that associate had a whole very, I shouldn't say super, it wasn't like a super large company, but it was a nice, nice sizable business. And they had lost their marketing team. Now, when they were looking for marketing, they were looking more for sales, but one of the key aspects was they were old school. They didn't even have a website. And I, yes, I did say that, they didn't even have a website. This wasn't 20, 30 years ago, okay? They didn't have a website at all. They had very little of any online presence. The only online presence they had were a few listings because they were like, yeah, MapQuest and Google Maps and things like that. But that's about it. But they didn't have a website at all, okay? They were at a dinner party. We were invited to that dinner party. I made the connection, I met them. Did I get a contract right away from that? No. I got a contract from this guy over a year later when they had hired someone to do the website. And because I presented myself properly, like a, you know what I did, I was a lot of integrity. Hey, this is what it would could typically cost. Here's all the bells and whistles that you actually do need based on your branding, based on what you're telling me. And of course, they would decide to go a cheaper route. They decide to go to a lesser route. What happened? They got a bad, unfortunately, a bad finished product. He came back to me. He's like, listen, everything you said we were supposed to have, there was a, it was major things missing and it caused some problems for us. We know we're missing out on leads. We're not having, we don't have good SEO because that's when search engine optimization was starting to come around. Slowly but surely really started coming around on, on a popular level. Oh no, that was the first big website, big contract that I was able to secure all on my own as a freelancer. And I thought about how that connection to connection to a connection bear fruit a year later. But because she was able to clearly articulate, because it was very simple, right? What I was doing in my, in my freelance work, but it was very straightforward and she knew who I was going for. 
she could clearly articulate that to someone who knew, hey, I got a, I know a friend who needs a website for his business. I know a friend who needs this branding for his business and he's been talking about it, right? And I conducted myself in a meeting with professionalism and integrity. This isn't about being a certain type of person, right? This is, when I say integrity, when I say articulate, when, I, when I'm saying this, I'm meaning that you clearly make it understood, hey, what I do, what I bring to the table, what value I bring. You clearly know how to present yourself and you're not going to compromise on what you do for anything. Quality and integrity over everything. If you're a radio show host, if you're a rapper, if you're a musician, if you're a dancer, if you're a web designer, whatever, doesn't matter. Construction work, cafe, barista, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Everything from the digital analyst project manager, web developer, interior designer. You clearly articulate what you do. You present your value. You conduct yourself with quality and integrity. Or to say you conduct your work with quality, conduct yourself with integrity and everything that you do with integrity. Every conversation isn't gonna come out to a contract right away. Every conversation isn't gonna come out to a contract ever. Right, there's no guarantee in it. But the, but the key here is now you're taking it all out of your hands. You're saying, hey, I'm laying all my cards on the table and putting myself in a position to win. And because I was speaking to a person of my target audience, I knew how to present myself the best way and put myself in a position to win. Now, of course, gotta pop a collar a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need a follow-up call. I didn't need to track the person down. Of course, they came to me, coming and running right to me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what's most important is the fact that this is actually a story that I can reference and go back. I know the way I'm conducting my business works because this is when I was first starting out and it worked. And this is a, this has kind of been a consistent thing for me. Whenever I have a conversation with somebody, it bears fruit. The key is now to make sure your content does the same thing. And that's why you do the social media and the, and the, the marketing steps that I've just went over and building that value proposition because now your content can translate that for you. That way you don't have to have a bunch of individual conversations. Your content has that conversation for you. So when we come back, we're gonna get into building an industry specific network. Because we talked about identifying that target audience. Now let's talk about building an industry specific network. Okay. And then how to get the word out consistently. Not necessarily telling and selling. More so showing and connecting. Right. Get right into it. We'll come right back to the Ambition Show.
All right, we're back, y'all. So the more professionals you know in your industry, the better off you will always be for two reasons and two reasons alone. None are more important than these. One, you'll get more insight about what's going on in your industry. You'll get more understanding of what's going on in your industry. Right? You don't have to know everything right off the bat. You have connections to build and to learn from. And then the second, and this is this is why I think it's missed the most and the importance of knowing industry people. Because we get this competition mindset so much. Sharing is caring. Hey, I can't fulfill an order. I've I've had this conversation. And tw- I think I think I had this conversation more than ever in 2018 or 2019. I can't remember the year, but I remember there was this conversation came up quite a bit, or this exchange came up quite a bit. I can't take care of this guy. Can you help him? I can't take care of this customer right now. Can you help him? I can't take care of this customer right now. Can you help him? I got you. I I can help you. I'm a resource for you. And now you're putting yourself as a, in a resource position. Building an industry network, an industry specific network, goes a long way. Because I can't tell you enough. The best thing is when you get a call from one of your colleagues and you're like, hey, I'm like, what's up? Got a call from Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, what's up? Good. I've got a client. They want to build a website on this platform. I don't know how to use this platform, but I know you do. You do. You're darn right. You know I, I got you. And because she's sharing, I'm going to share some business right back with her. Right? But she didn't put me in a position to lose. She put me in a position to win. You know this platform. Can you do it? I got you. See, the idea that we're in competition with everybody is a, is is actually it, it's one of those false false narratives. False. Uh, let's just keep it what it is. It's one of those things that's been pushed around all communities, right? That we're in competition with each other. Your main competition, really, your only competition is yourself. You know, people talk about, oh, this guy's chasing. You know, if you're in basketball, everybody's chasing to be like Jordan or LeBron. You know, not now LeBron, formerly Jordan. Now LeBron, I'm still gonna say Jordan's the GOAT. I get into that conversation. You're not gonna change my mind anytime soon on that. But here's my argument, and this is my argument for people who think LeBron was chasing Jordan. And if LeBron was chasing Jordan or is chasing Jordan, you know, I'm not knocking LeBron at all, because I'm not LeBron for one. He's accomplished great things. I have no question about it. There's no question about that. But I'll tell you this right now. LeBron will always come up short. He can never be my Jordan. That's not me being a homer. That's me being honest. You can't be the next man. You can't be the next woman. It's impossible. You could work out to the day you die. You could, you could do all the reps. You can lift all the weight. You can do all the cardio. You will never, ever, ever be one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You can surpass his you can surpass his accolades in the field, but you can't be him. You can't be the rock. You can't be Beyonce. You can't be Jay-Z. You can't you can't be somebody else. So the idea that you're in competition with other people is is a is is a half truth. Okay, we may be trying to reach the same goals. So that's how we're in competition. But at the end of the day, I'm not chasing you. Because if when I put myself in that position, I'm already coming up short. 
So we lose the sight of working with people in our same in, as our same field, even the same exact area. I have no problem working with another web developer, another agency, and I know I've literally lost out on deals. I should say they've lost deals, actually, and put that in better sense, because they feel, oh, well, I don't want to work with you because you're in the exact same lane as myself. Am I really? Because I can tell you right now, there's five things that I could do way better than most agencies that I work with. Because I'm not in competition with them. Because they can't do what I bring to the table. And I'm not trying to do what they bring to the table. Right? Because what I'm looking for is the best quality for the client. So, when you have an industry network and you have the mindset of, my competition's me, you're really open to building better relationships and more fruitful relationships. Make sure you have terms and agreements and terms of service clearly mapped out of what you're going to do. Non-compete clause. Because once again, like I said, some people, they have that mindset. And there's nothing wrong with paperwork. That's why we're here. This is a business world, right? We want to make sure we have non-compete clause, compete clauses. But when you start providing top-level services to people, referrals come a lot easier. Recommendations come a lot easier. Like I said, literally there was a phone call I had with an associate, Jennifer, she owns her web design company, but she doesn't touch two platforms that me and my team work on regularly. So what does she do? Hey, can you take care of these customers? Cause I don't want to just send them to somebody else and I don't want to lose them, but I know you handle that platform and I trust you. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to give them great service. They're going to say, Hey, you sent me to them. And you know what they're going to do? Referrals, recommendations. This is how good business works. Build out your industry network. Artists, musicians. That Yes, that means other artists and musicians. But that also means producers, mixers, DJs, construction workers, contractors, right? How many electricians do you know? How many plumbers do you know? How many interior designers do you know? How many Revit and, and AutoCAD professionals do you know? How many project managers do you know? Program. Now, this is the area I think is it shockingly gets missed? Programmers, web developers, how many graphic designers do you know? How many program managers, product managers, project managers do you know? Those are essential roles in the, what you do. Because the more developers know project managers, I could be one developer, but if I know 100 project managers and they're putting together a team for a project, oh, I need to develop data analysts. Oh, I need data analysts. We, we often think when I say build out your, your industry network or your professional network, we often think sometimes the exact same roles. No, you gotta think a little bit outside the box. What about those full teams that are coming into play? It's funny. I've always noticed this about doctors and lawyers. Those are the two professions because of the, 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 the ticket price. They all, well, not always, but in my experience, they typically had the best networks. Lawyers know doctors, doctors know lawyers, lawyers, doctors know insurance people. It's all over the place. One of the coolest, and, 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 I, and I, I hate that a lot of people have gotten away from these. Remember the Rolodex? For those older people, we don't, well not older people, what the hell? Hold on, I got a gray hair, I know, but, <laughs> okay. Remember the Rolodex? All these cards and contacts? I mean, now you can go through it on your phone and everything. Rolodex is even an act, Rolodex is actual brand, if I'm not mistaken. I never forget looking at lawyers' Rolodex or their, or their cards, you know, their business card holders. It would be crazy how many cars they had in there, how many people they knew. And these were all clients. Actually, none of them were clients. In some cases, these were just their contacts. 
because they knew the, the importance of having a network. That kept business afloat. I know a lawyer, I know a lawyer, I know a lawyer, I know a lawyer. I can't tell you how many times I've heard either a lawyer or a doctor say, I know, I know a guy, I know a guy, I know a guy, I know a guy, I know a guy. Former client? Nope. Just somebody I know I might need to know. So you could take that both ways. You could take that if they know the, of the all the aspects of their of their industry. Right? From legal aids, paralegals. Attorneys in other areas of the law, like they're, they're right, other specialists, other types of specialties, right? Which is very important, especially in law. What if you're a front end designer? What if you focus on UI? You don't focus on UX. What if, and this is the area we've seen ourselves get into, into play. This is why I built out our team to be a lot more robust. When for a long period of time, the, the, our partners didn't have full stack developers. All my developers are full stack developers on my team. So they're like, we don't have people who can, you know, really get UX and UI. They, they, they really get an understanding of not only the functionality of things, but work, what works best for the user, for the visitor, for the traffic. From a functionality standpoint, from a technical standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint of that web development project, right? The, the app, how it should feel, how it should flow, what it should look like the experience they should get. We had a lot of, and I do mean this, a ton, a ton of back-end developers or teams of back-end developers, right? Who do you have? We, now make sure it's clear. Hey, my team, they're all full-stack developers. But we can focus on the front-end part if you really need that. QC, QA, what you guys do on the back-end, they're capable of that. You see how that works out? The, We've now presented a value proposition to our own industry, to our own network. So you think we're gonna have a problem getting referrals and recommendations? No, because that just makes that other team look even better, right? You have to build an industry network. It is essential. So the first step I would always suggest is to join at least two professional organizations. And if you can, Make them one, make, or I should say, make one national or international and one regional or local. Right? So we're talking about um, National Association of Black Accounts. We're talking about the American Market Association. Right? We're talking about, we're talking about different organizations that focus on your specific industry industry not necessarily that that actual task and job that you do the industry as a whole because here you want to build out the network of the people who are okay if you're in the marketing association right well some people do just focus specifically on market research while others focus specifically on branding others are just in advertising and sales you know advertising and sales i make sure to differentiate because i know we know we all know marketing advertising sales those are things <laughs> Public relations, right? Communications, field marketing, event planning, those types of things. Now you have people in different areas. When I throw an event, I know three people to go to. When I throw a private event, I know three people I can go to. And I'm only going to those three people. 
Because I've seen what those people do. I'll find the money to afford them. Because I know if my event is going to... If, I, if I'm going to hand on an event, I want one of them to do it. There's no question. Those are some of the best event coordinators, event marketers ever. From what I have seen. Seen with my own eyes. And they're all part of the, the same association. NABA, National Association of Black Accountants. There's tons of these organizations. We have a list of these organizations in the description of this episode. I'm going to have a list of these organizations in the description of this episode. Find the best organization for your profession, then also your networks. And one of the best ways to find those networks is to go online. LinkedIn, Facebook, those platforms, you will find them. And they're right there for you. They're free to join those. So you can identify which group or I'm sorry, which organization is better before you invest the time and the money. Ask questions. Now, in some cases, they won't let you join their um, their LinkedIn group or their Facebook group because you're not already a member. What you could do is join the network, right, for that profession on one of those platforms and identify which organizations users on LinkedIn or users on Facebook think is the best network to join. Because in many cases, we have multiple. Project management, of course, we have PMI, but in some organizations, you have dozens. I'm sorry, no organizations, so sorry. In certain industries, you have dozens of organizations that you should look into and which one's the best to work with and build out a network in. Okay? So when we come back, we're going to get into get the word out consistently. Building that relationship with that target audience. And then from there, you will know not only what's working, what's not working, but also how to measure the best way to measure it, because consistency is the best. We come back. All right, now we're back. Thanks for returning. And let's get the word out consistently because that is where the key to true success in developing a profitable long-term relationship with a target audience is about consistent in your message, consistent in learning from them and understanding them and connecting with them and building on that relationship. So you start your company, right? You get all your products and your services listed on your website, your store, um, you know, your storefront. Now you blast everyone, telling them all, telling everybody about your business, right? You you send out an email blast, you send out a text message blast, you spend you send out a, a blast of of flyers and all that other stuff. Ready that you're open to take orders. And then you wait. Quite possibly the worst thing that you could do. <laughs> okay. I didn't say anything about you developed the right connections. I didn't say that you knew exactly who you were targeting. You tell everybody. You tell your mama. You tell your brother. You tell your daddy. You tell your best friends. You tell them all. And you're hoping that you're going to get a flood of influx of business. Right. We've established that this is quite, quite possibly the worst way to do things. Because one... 
the family members, the friends, those aren't necessarily the people who are gonna be those consistent regular customers. They might stop in one day. They might stop by one day, right? But the key here is to consistently develop the right messaging. That way, yeah, mom, dad, friends, brother, sister, whatever it may be, this is what I do. This is where I'm located. This is what I'm about. This is the quality of my product. This is the type of product I have. This is what I hope to bring. Yeah, I don't eat that food. Yeah, I don't like coffee. Yeah, I don't, but I have a friend that does. But I have a cousin that does. But the people at my job would be interested in coming here for lunch. Or the people that I know are interested in starting their own business so they need your advice or they need your service or they need to listen to your podcast, right? The worst thing you could do is immediately assume that that person that you're first connecting with is going to be that customer just because of that relationship you have outside of that, right? Outside of any type of business, outside of any type of monetary investment. You're banking on the investment that they have in the relationship with you personally. So when we're joining these groups online, when we are taking the time to join the organizations, like I said, joining an industry organization will separate you from all of your competitor, quote unquote competitors, will separate you from those who don't join in such a significant way because what you are gonna start to see is you're gonna start to receive information about things that they get secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, or never at all. What is working, what isn't working, right? When communicating with your niche. Which niche should you look into? Which niche should you stay away from? Which niche has not been fully optimized? Because that has happened. When I've worked with clients in their specific industries, we've discovered there was there was uh, sectors, there was a niche here or there that people had tried, people had tested, didn't work out. Whether it be a certain flavor of food, whether it be a certain color and packaging, could have been anything, right? Here's a good example. Have you guys ever noticed, ever noticed that every year or so, or every few years, depending upon how significant the change is, we happen to notice that not just one store, not just two stores, but three or four, you know, franchise food retailers start picking up on the exact same type of menu. You ever notice that? You ever notice that like how one, one place, okay, this, this, a great example is the milk, alternative milks. This is actually quite possibly the best example of this in the past 15 years. I remember at one point in time, the only thing or I should say another thing, I'm sorry. The only place you could find soy milk, right, would be like a Starbucks. Then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, almond milk got popular. It started blowing up. More people started turning to almond milk. Yeah, of course, Starbucks was one of the first. Starbucks had almond milk. They had soy milk. They even had coconut. Slowly but surely, we noticed that, okay, the other coffee shops started picking up almond milk because the milk companies the dairy companies started saying hey there's a trend here growing with consumers we need to make sure we're not only ahead of it but we're controlling it so alternative milk not only became an industry 
right, or a major sector within the industry. But more importantly, they started dictating how the coffee shops and how the restaurants, what they had available. You know, now we have a barista style and we have a regular store-bought style. Non-dairy milk is all over the place. Plant-based milk is all over the place. I remember the only place you could find plant-based milk or hemp milk was strictly at a health food store. You can find it everywhere. Flavors like pumpkin hazelnut. You notice how one place, they might not have it for a while, then all of a sudden, they have all the same flavors everybody else does. The reason why is because within their industry, we're talking two levels of the industry. We're talking the suppliers, and we're talking the industry, the actual retailers. They work within the same organizations, right? Federation of Retailers, right? The, the, the Milk and Dairy Association. And they're sharing information with one another. That way, you as a consumer, you're just seeing things around the same time. You're noticing, no, it's not a coincidence that when one franchise has a certain type of breakfast sandwich, within a few months, a few years, maybe in just a few days, right? Or a few weeks, at least, it depends upon the region you're in. All their competitors have a very similar breakfast sandwich, have a very similar menu item, because that's the way it has to work. It has to work for everybody to survive because it's at scale at that point. So sharing information, we we don't want to take the chance that the industry is losing out because you got distributors, you've got manufacturers, you got you know people in the supply chain. Now, if you as a business owner don't want to be involved in those organizations in those conversations and understand where the trends are, are turning to the industry and you want to be on the back burner or 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 you know you you're what they call a very, very late adapter, that's your business that's taking a chance. But for every one business that goes away, for every one business that fails, for every one business that falls by the wayside, there's five or 10 ready to take your place. These organizations exist and they're here for you to utilize. And it's important for you to join them as soon as possible. The worst thing you could do is start a business in an industry and not be involved in at least one association. This way, you know, when your information, your, your, your communication, your marketing is starting to go out, it's consistently on trend. It's consistently within the norm of your industry. You're not behind anything. If anything, you're now going to be advanced because you're going to have insight into what's going to happen way before those who are not involved in the, in the organizations are. They're going to be trying to play catch up all day long. Your marketing materials will be up to par. Right? Then you can put your own unique twist, spin for your branding, for your unique value proposition. You can place all of that into it. You have to get the word out consistently but you have to be sure that you're not behind the eight ball. You're not behind on what's happening within your industry. That's why it's so important to have those industry connections. It's so important to be a part of those organizations. And it's so impart- important to be a part of the conversation. You know, sometimes people like to create these additional struggles and, and challenges for themselves as entrepreneurs when we really don't have to. You can find out which ones are free. You can find out which ones are more, you know, within your budget. 
you can find out which ones have different types of members because many of them have different types of memberships, right? But it's essential that you find out as early as possible. That way you know, one, what's gonna change and what's happening within your industry and what trends are coming up, but also you will know how to talk and what works and what doesn't work to your target audience and with your target audience. Because those competitors, if you wanna see them as that, if those competitors, as opposed to contemporaries, those competitors that are part of those organizations, they're gonna know what works and what doesn't work. And then you're gonna be on the outside looking in. And this way you know, mom, dad, sister, brother, cousins, those aren't my, that isn't my audience. And they most likely will never convert over to customers. But if I know what has been working for the other businesses within my industry, I can tailor my message to where when they're speaking to friends and family members, they actually can convey my message to where it's more attractive. So I can get referrals, I can get recommendations, I can get potential customers, I can get affiliates, partners, whoever it may be, right? This way the value will always be relevant to what my consumer is responsive to. When I talk about get the word out consistently, see, that's why I say I'm not talking about selling and telling, selling and telling, showing, connecting, building relationships. If I don't know how you like to be spoken to and what you respond to, I'm just going to be talking to a brick wall. I'm talking to myself at that point. So take that major piece of advice earlier that we shared earlier. The first place I would suggest is LinkedIn. If you're working business to business, if you're focusing on business to consumer, the first place I would suggest is LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. And then of course, Facebook, then Reddit, then Quora. You have groups upon groups, threads, spaces and communities to build from there. Identify which organizations, which associations, federations, they have many different names, are the industry standards for your, for your, um, for your particular field, product service, or um, you know, business that you're, that you're starting and that you're gonna get involved in. Now, some of them require qualifications, certifications even beforehand, but this is, you'll, you'll start to find these out and people, the best thing about these groups we share, and I say we, cause I'm a part of quite a few of them for marketing, digital marketing, web development. We share a lot. We share a lot of insight. We share a lot of information, you know, because we know whoever we're helping, that's another potential associate. That's another potential referral. That's another potential person that we could just bounce ideas off of. You don't have to go at this alone. And when I talk about, I'm talking about getting information about everything, everything from investors, getting information about what's happening politically that can affect your industry, economically that can affect your industry. Here's a big one. Here's a big one when it comes to joining these organizations. What countries, what regions, what cultures are growing in our industry? If you don't know how to communicate, woo, we could, we could have a whole episode about it. In fact, I might do a whole episode about that one. Cause I've got two businesses that, that they burn my biscuits. I ain't gonna lie. They, they really annoyed me about some of their operations. Cause you clearly can understand that they were not listening to their audience. 
and they weren't seeing the trends of their audience are changing culturally and they were so freaking tone deaf it hurt their business happens all the time happens all the time so when we come back got a few takeaways for you and then of course the book of the episode when we come back I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny because just as I, Lord, it's so crazy. So, yeah. First off, for those who don't know, I do. I take. I do takes. I, you know, the ones that sound the best and get to convey the information the best. But I keep it a bean with you guys. The same way I'm gonna do. I, the same way I do this on YouTube. The same way I do this. You know, on the pod, whether it's video or just audio. I keep it real with you guys. And it's so crazy because just as uh, we're coming to this segment and closing out this episode, I get an email. I get an email asking a crazy question, which goes right along with what we're going over, which is, like I said, it's just it's absolutely crazy just how things work sometimes. Um, the question is, what is a value proposition? <laughs> the question was what a value proposition is. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a value. I'm actually going to make a new template. I had one before to showcase what a value proposition is. That will be the takeaway for this episode. Okay, guys. So the takeaway for this episode, um, because I've gotten a request for it and I, I like the takeaway we we're going to have originally, but I'm changing it up. The takeaway for this episode is a value proposition template so you can learn how to develop and what goes into a value proposition. It's not just going to be the template. Normally what we do is we have a template here. We have a tool here that you go and you fill it in or um, you, you know, you learn from it. it's like a presentation or a video. In this case, it's going to be both. It's going to be a presentation, but it's also a template in there for you. So you go through the temp, you go through the, the presentation just to get on the different pieces, the different aspects of it. And in fact, I think I'll make a video for it as well um, on the value proposition. So in the future, when you come back to this episode, there, there, will, there will be a link for a video on how to create one from scratch, utilizing the template that we share, but also just how to create one from scratch if you've never created one. Uh, that's just crazy because it was just it's a it's a current uh, client has no, and I, the, f the crazy part about it is none of the work I've done for them has a value proposition involved. So it was like that was really cool for them to ask me of that. They were like, "How do you create one?" I'm looking it up, blah blah blah. Um, and have you ever made one before? <laughs> like, hey, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can make one right now. So that's what we're gonna do. Takeaway for you will be a link in the description. There will be a value proposition template in a presentation on how to um how to utilize one how to make one um just because since i'm doing it for my, my buddy here um who's goes back to kind of our episode wasn't a friend they became a really good associate because they're a customer but that's how it worked out um so check the link in the description for the value proposition template but now the book of the episode <laughs> but you know what i'm gonna come up with a cool little something there i'm gonna put some sound effects there next time um get my batman voice no not that batman voice I ain't that batman voice um so it's not this is not a new concept of, of staying away from just you know focusing on your friends and your family being your customers that's nothing new we've all heard this before well maybe we haven't all heard this before this has been talked about quite a bit in that length but 
how do you change that audience? How do you get that audience and develop that audience into a raving? How do you create fans? Let's just call it what it is. We really want fans. Followers are great. Followers follow what you do. But we want subscribers, man. We want fans. Subscribers and fans are what I go for. To be honest with you, subscribers and fans is what we all should be striving for. Subscriber is somebody who subscribes to what you do. They want to know about what you do. Follower, now don't get me wrong, follower is very similar, right? But we've heard that term where people say, I subscribe to that. Like, that's what I'm down for. That says a lot. A fan is, well, we know what a fan is. If, we, if any of us are involved in sports, my all-time favorite team, my hometown team is my, my Chicago Blackhawks. I'm an ice hockey, ice hockey fan, former ice hockey player. And I'm a fan. Like, I have literally dozens of, of hats. I have jerseys. I have tons of autographs. I can, I can give you team uh, rosters by each year. You know what I mean? I went to the Hawks convention. Shout out to one of my best friends in the world, Caro, who took me to the Hawks convention one year because she knew that I always wanted to go. It was, a, it was a late birthday present, technically. But how do you do that with your customers? How do you get somebody like my guy here, Frank, who just sent me this email? You know, hey, what's up, man? Been thinking about, you know, his long, 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 long conversation or a long, long, you know, kind of a message. And then really want to know about value proposition. I want to know if it's something you can help me with. Have you ever made one before? But every time I produce something, there's Frank. He's, he's sharing it. He's connecting people with it. You know, I got a couple of, of other really good fans like this. How do you get that? How do you build that? And there's so many different methods and strategies to do it. One of the people, number one, as we all know with these books, these are books I've read. These are books that I have purchased either one format, if not multiple formats. This one I've only purchased in one format. We'll call that out now. Many of the books, like I told you, I've purchased in multiple formats. But I will never recommend a book, one, having read it. Number two, I haven't been able to utilize it. And sometimes it's just, it could be just the content, but in some cases also the content and the author. In this case, it's the author. Pat Flynn, or the book is Superfans by Pat Flynn, specifically. But Pat Flynn, I have a great deal of respect for, because when you talk about just being real with your content, you know, there's a lot, first off, there's a lot of content creators who say that they're real. They, they promote being authentic but we can see seeing is believing and when I think of content creators from the podcast vlog space very similar spaces as we know what I'm working in Pat comes up as one of the realest out there and one of the most genuine out there and just that hey this is what my passion is to do and I'm just gonna work at it and help others get the most out of it as as well the same way i would say the guys that like think media i everybody on that team from what i've seen those people are just content creators who love helping content creators um i'm not getting paid for any of this i'm just have no problem saying that because it's just these as i've always called it you know these are um 
unbiased endorsements. No bias, no no sponsorship in that case. I'm sharing who has genuinely helped me to hopefully it genuinely help you. This book is simply put a great book. Just as simple. For two reasons that stand out. Two reasons stand out why this book is is a great book. Number one. What fails so much when we look at things like likes, subscriptions, followers, all that stuff. We think of the data. Data is important. Data is powerful. I always talk about the information and the data, how to use it. But you notice I, I tend to trend, I tend to walk away from saying the data and more so focus on the information. Because if I'm looking at data, I'm looking at numbers, I'm looking at figures, I'm looking at charts, I'm looking, forgetting about, and it's easy to forget about the people. When you say, you know, 500,000 users, 500,000 followers, that's 500,000 people, potentially. Could just be 500,000 accounts, all owned by one person. Which would be really sad for your business if that's the case. But the people, the people behind everything. Because at the end of the day, it's the people that are gonna be buying your product. Your customer is your best investor. They're investing time and money into you. And in Pat Flynn's book, he goes in depth about that. Focusing on the people, building trust with the people. That way they want to be fans. That way when you drop your new podcast episode, that way when you drop your new YouTube episode, that way when you drop your new album, you drop your new track, you you could come out with, no offense, but you could come out with some of the crappiest product for me. But you designed it specifically for them. I'm not your fan. They're your fan. This is what I'm getting at, and this is what I'm getting from the book. You're building a relationship with them, with that fan. You're building quality and trust with them, that fan. You're not generalizing, you're focusing on the fan. You're developing a relationship with the fan. And how to do that from scratch, from $2 in your pocket to $20,000 in your pocket to a $200,000 budget, doesn't matter. The book, really goes into how to develop a relationship from the ground up, no matter what your budget. I cannot stress this book enough on that. I cannot stress it enough. If you start applying what you learn in this book immediately, you will notice how you conduct your business differently and you feel better about it. Because think of what I'm talking about, building a relationship, building trust. If you go out and you buy somebody's product, if you go out and buy somebody's service, you're giving them your dollars. You're giving them your time, that money that you earn. I can't tell you, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But I can't tell you the times that I've bought, I don't want to say the name of a candy bar or something like that to, you know, I'm not trying to knock a specific company in this case, but I was highly disappointed spending a buck, spending 25 cents, spending 75 cents or whatever, because I'm thinking I'm expecting a certain quality. I'm expecting there's a certain level of trust based on that brand. 
why do you think of so many products now? What does it say? If you're not 100% satisfied, let us know. They give you a number. They give you an actual phone number, not an email address. Almost every business I've seen, they give you an actual number. If you are not satisfied with this product, if you are not satisfied with this product, you call us and you let us know. If you're not satisfied with this product or service, you call us, you let us know. And you know why? It's because the larger brands understand this better than anybody else. Here's the crazy part about it. The smaller businesses like you, the entrepreneur, the individual, you have the best chance. That's why influencers are getting paid the way they're getting paid. Because an influencer has the opportunity to connect on such a micro level. You might say, oh, well, they've got 5 million followers. So they got 2 million followers. They got 20 million followers. If I'm not mistaken, almost 8 billion people in this planet. No offense. If you have 20 million followers on your Instagram or your TikTok or your social media platforms combined, that's actually not that much if you really think in the grand scheme of things. So as a business, I'm looking at that from the micro level. I have the opportunity through you to connect through you to 20 million people directly. So instead of the business having to develop this from scratch, they work with you as an influencer. They work with you as a content creator. In Pat Flynn's book, he goes back into talking of, or specifically covering not only how to develop that trust, how to maintain and optimize that trust and keep that trust based on genuine, authentic connections and deliverables, not on manipulation, working with that audience, developing a relationship with that audience, connecting with that audience. And this guy, I would trust him. Because a lot of people talk about this. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, that he's the only one talking about it. I'm not going to say he's the only one with a, a best-selling book about it. I'm not going to say he's the only one who's who's been successful at it. But when you, when you delve into the depths of his story and who he is and what he's developed and how he came up as a content creator, you'll notice his story is not, not too much. It's not unlike a lot of ours. So it shows you that not only... Can anybody do it from the perspective of it doesn't matter where you start, but also it's not so unique to start from an area of, I want to create content. Maybe I don't know where to start from. Maybe I don't know what niche works for me best. Maybe I don't know how to find my fans and how to, how to develop that relationship. That's what this whole platform is about. Whether you're hearing it from me directly or you're hearing it from the other guests that we have on here, or you're hearing about it from the content that's been produced and I'm sharing with you guys, that's what this platform's about. So, super fans, by Pat Flynn, fits right in line more, I would say this, if not the most, this is in the top three so far, books that align perfectly with the overall message of the brand and the overall message of this platform. Link for you in the description to purchase the book, either Audible, Kindle, you know, or paperback. Like I said, this is one of the few books I only have one format. I only have, um, only have the the paperback version, and it's it was because I had more time to to, to check out paperbacks at the point at that point. Um, but honestly, this is the one of those books that is really when you're developing your content, when you're creating, it's really good to have this in the background. I can imagine. Um, I, I, I've actually I subscribed to Pat, uh, Pat Flynn's multiple YouTube channels. Always sharing some great advice. Always sharing some great advice and tips on that on that channel. So, um, 
you know, I would love to, I should get the audiobook. <laughs> just, that's what I'm really getting at. I should just get the audiobook. Because it's good to hear these types of things, these, these types of things to help you motivate you, but also in things that you can immediately start applying. Like, oh, I didn't think about creating my content this way. Or I didn't, I didn't think about this when I was developing, you know, that new episode or when I was scripting this out or when I was drafting that, you know, that, um, um, that concept. So check it out. Super fans by Pat Flynn. Fantastic book. Link in the description below. And in today's episode, what we have covered, your friends are not customers. You want to develop fans from your customers. You want to develop long-term relationships with your target audience and target consumers to develop a long pipeline of business, but also a trusting, highly equitable, <laughs> a lot of equity, right, in your, in your brand. And you can do that. You'd have to just do a few things to do so. It's not gonna happen overnight, but it doesn't have to take years. That's the crazy part about it. We, we, we think one extreme to another. It doesn't have to take years and it doesn't have to happen overnight. It could be a steady stream and grow and grow into something highly profitable, incredibly satisfying. So with that, go back on this up, go back to the, throughout this episode, identify what that national or international organization should be, what that regional organization should be that you should join to build that, that network right within the industry first place to start and to find those if you don't know where to start linkedin facebook reddit quora use those same platforms when you're looking into the groups to identify what networks or what organizations you should join use those same platforms to listen on social media platforms to what your audience is talking about what your ideal target audience is saying and what they're looking for what their pain points are what value are they looking for from the content get involved in conversations ask questions maybe answer questions too but don't go in there looking like to try to be the expert right off the top go in there asking questions sharing stories sharing experiences connect with people that's the ultimate goal connect with people all right and you will develop a very strong network which actually goes in line with our next episode <laughs> Our next episode, we're going to go a deep dive of how to develop a profitable network from scratch. Now, this isn't a network just for the customers, right? We're, this one, we're focusing more on customers. This one is specifically your peers, right? Specifically those potential partners, those potential associates that you want to align your business with. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to develop a profitable network. This is the question I get the most. Outside of anything regarding digital marketing, out of anything regarding web design, out of anything, you know, outside of, 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 um, you know, specifically like analytics or anything like that. This is the question I get the most. How do I develop a profitable network? This has nothing to do with one specific industry. So no matter what your industry, this next episode is for you. No matter what you're trying to do from a entrepreneurial standpoint, small business standpoint, this episode is for you. How? to build a profitable professional network from scratch. You'll also be able to use what we talk about to see if your network is truly as powerful, as profitable as it could be. So with that, I'll see you at the next episode of The Ambitious Show. I've been your host, Aaron Muhammad. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are finding value in these episodes, if you're finding value in what we're doing on the platform, I truly appreciate it. If you share, subscribe, 
Let your people know. Let your network know. We talked about that a little bit earlier. The importance of sharing valuable content with your network. This is not only from my standpoint, but also for you guys. If you're finding value what we're doing, we'll love for you guys to comment. If there's a specific episode or topic you want us to cover, definitely leave a comment. Want to know about that because I want to make sure we're continuously bringing you value. But thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for listening. Check you around. Check you in the next episode. And yeah, we're out. Don't forget, next episode, how to develop a profitable, powerful network. Any industry. I'm going to get to it. Peace.